Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Um, I am joined by Mariana Harrelson today. Um, Mariana and I have not had an, a, a conversation in, gosh, how long has it been? Like probably 13 or 14 years? Yeah, probably so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and so I'm just completely... Uh, turned on about this conversation today with Mariana. So just to give you the the backstory, Mariana and I went to college together um, at Furman University in South Carolina. It is a small private liberal liberal arts school that formerly had ties to the Baptist Convention. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you can just sort of imagine the scene there. You know, it's very, very Southern, very conservative in nature. Um, and uh, and Mariana is a pastor at um, Garden of Grace UCC. Um, she is also a spiritual director and um, she is an author of um, several books. Um, and she just has amazing um writing online as well. Um, and recently, um, so I've just been sort of peeking in at Mariana's journey, you know, over the years, right. It's like, think like I hate Facebook and I love it at the same time for this. Right. And so Mariana and and I have like stayed connected over the years and, um, I've just seen her posts, um, just coming out and and speaking about um sexuality and like the the identity of women in the church and just all of these topics that are taboo in a lot of circles and so i a couple of weeks ago i was like mariana like i got to get you on the show yes. so thank you <laughs> so much for being here mariana oh it is such an honor to be with you and to like join you in this part of the journey like isn't that amazing to see 13 years ago, we connected yeah. and now like the reconnection that occurs, like it's just amazing, really. It is. It is really, it's amazing. And um, yeah, I was saying right before we hit record, I, um, Mariana and I have, I think like sim, not the same journey, but it's sort of like a similar journey of growing up inside of religion that told us all these messages about how we should be in our, in our womanhood and in our feminine. And then each of us has sort of been on our own path around just awakening, you know, our divine feminine nature. 
And um, so, you know, I want to give you all a taste of Mariana's story and sort of what she's had to go through to get to a place where she can be a pastor talking about sexuality. <laughs> and not just that, I mean, you know, just uh, so many other things. Um, so I want to sort of zoom in a little bit on her journey and give give you a taste for that. And then also, I think Mariana just has so many um, amazing perspectives on the world. So I I don't even know like what's going to come out, but I can't wait to see. I know. Let's just see where it goes. Right. So first of all, like I didn't mean to be here. Right? <laughs> I, if you had asked me at Furman, even as an yeah. educated person, uh, what are you going to do with your life? Pastors yeah. have never entered the conversation because women simply just didn't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear a woman preach until I came to Furman University and it was in chapel. And so it was a little wow. different. I grew up Southern Baptist, evangelical, fundamentalist, true love waits. I wore oh, wow. a ring on my finger that said I was, you know, saving myself for my future hu husband, whomever that might be. <laughs> oh, like dive into 1990s youth group. That was me. Full 1990s feeling. youth group. Yes. 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 <laughs> I feel you there. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and in a Southern culture, right? right. So you put the fundamentalism on top of the Southern culture of women's perceptions and women's expectations. And it was just mm. like a double doozy. And Whoa. so when I went to Furman, I did what women in my family did. I became an education major because teaching was one of the professions that was admired as a woman. Mm. It was also something that was acceptable to continue to do if you did have children. I'm sorry, when you did have children. When, when of course. You got married. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta remember that old language and talking about that former self because that was the expectation. And mm -hmm. I loved teaching. I loved teaching. It was truly a calling. I was in high poverty schools straight out of Furman. Um, and I saw kids who were hungry. I saw kids that didn't have mm. food. I saw kids who didn't have beds. And I also was teaching in my home city where my church had built a $5 million building. And I Whoa. thought, we're missing something here if we're building buildings while kids are still hungry. And I, I, I thought maybe there was a, another calling that could bring help and bring wholeness to people who were hurting. And so I answered a call to ministry. Mm. And when I, when I voiced that call to be a pastor, um, my home church said, we don't believe in that. We don't believe women should do that. Are you sure you're not called to be a pastor's wife? And <sighs> I said, I am in fact sure of that. Um, and so I had to find a new congregation. I had to find a new home church to Whoa. sponsor me to go to seminary in a, in a way. Um, so I actually entered seminary without a church recommendation um, and started on the path to becoming a pastor. And when I got <laughs> and when I got to that seminary, they said, you know, we are interested in women, women clergy. We want women leading our churches, but we're just not, there are just not that many churches that are ready for that, for a woman. Oh. I just, I am getting full body chills. I, 
when you just the image of you saying to your church, I like, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a leader. And then them just saying no. And then you saying, okay, well, like I have this desire. It is much (laughs) bigger than just this church. Right. There's going to be another way because this is what I was called to do. Like this, this is who I am. And so, I mean, I just believed that a way would open up. And when, when I met that in seminary too, people who said, you know, we, we, there, I'm not sure a church will call you. You can be pastoral studies if you want to, but you know, we're not, we're not sure. And I was like, if anyone would ever take you in, yeah, they will. Someone will. I, I, there was not a doubt in my mind that that would happen for some reason. And so I was called to my first church right after seminary. They are the church who ordained me a small church that was welcoming and affirming. Um, and we, you know, hosted a lesbian wedding and did a lot of really revolutionary work in Lexington, South Carolina, which is one of the most conservative <laughs> counties in the state of South Carolina, um, where when I went outside of our congregation, they would say, oh, what do you do? And I would say, oh, I pastor the Baptist church right there. And they would say, mm, you pastor? <laughs> I said, yeah. And they would say, I didn't know there were women who did that. <laughs> it, wow. it did get to the point that it was a bit comical, right? That you <laughs> are something that people don't believe exists. It, <laughs> well, you know, and I got to say, um, Mariana, what is so um, moving to me about this story is that you stuck with yourself and your faith the entire way. Cause there's a whole other path you could have taken, right. Where you could have just said like, well, fuck this church, right. I'm just, nope. Like, okay. If you're, if you're going to react that way, just buy. Right. And I think so, so many people, unfortunately do that. Right. And, uh, well, I don't want to say unfortunate. I trust everyone's path, but, um, it's so remarkable that you just said, no, this is, this is my faith and I want to be here and serve. And I'm going to do that. And I found places that were religious communities and not religious institutions. And that's hard to find. I think many, many people are still searching for religious communities or spiritual circles or beloved community in some way. And the way that church has been institutionalized doesn't provide for that individual connection, that community and that Mm -hmm. self-expression because Mm -hmm. systems protect systems, institutions Mm -hmm. protect institutions. And so what has happened over the course of, and I'm talking mainly, I should say from the Christian Protestant, white Protestant in particular viewpoint of Christianity and my experience lies there in the church. Right. is that we haven't allowed for that. And so we do have uh, theologies that then oppress and silence people and mainly women. Mm. And what I'm discovering is that we as a people are scared of the divine feminine because she is not something to mess with. <laughs> I <tell you> what. <laughs> Right. Oh, whoa. Well, um, 
gosh, there's so many, so many directions I want to go. Well, yeah. Speak a little bit about that. The, the, the divine feminine and just what you, what that actually, even for people who hear that word and they're like, I don't really know what that means. Like yeah. what it, what it means to you, how you've seen it, how you've worked with it. Yeah. And I say, th- I think exactly what you have kind of taken out of my story is mm-hmm. what resonates with a lot of people, especially women that there was something within me that was giving me faith and courage and boldness. And I don't think that that's necessarily me. I think that's Mm -hmm. a part of me, but I think it is the divine feminine that found me or that we found each other because Mm. this is a, a pathway that needed to be opened so that other people could follow, right? So that other people could find freedom and wholeness. And so Mm. in, in many ways, this is not just my journey. This is a journey many of us are on because we haven't been able to express ourselves or be ourselves because of religious institution and religious leaders. Hmm. And the the way of the divine feminine is not um, brick and mortar. The way Mm -hmm. of the divine feminine is in the woods and dancing and the stars and the moon and light and dark and candles and, and, and mystery. And this is something that doesn't fit into buildings. (laughs) It doesn't fit into suits. It doesn't fit into loafers. And it's a hell of a lot of fun, I have to tell you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. It's so, wow. It's it's so fun. And you're just so, um, you're just nailing it. It's like, I feel like I, we speak the same language, even though I have not spoken to you in 13 years and I, and I sort of went at it in a different, you know, sort of different direction. It's, it's really surreal to meet up on the other side. Um, well, tell me about, so you, you know, went down this path, you were determined, you went uh, to seminary without a, a church sponsoring you. Right. Amazing. I just love that. Um, and then you eventually found a congregation. Yes. And so I served Baptist congregation. All of the congregations I've served as pastor are welcoming and affirming, which means full support of LGBTQIA, um, mm-hmm. not only as people, but also as partners in marriage, as deacons, as um or even ordaining people to ministry Mm -hmm. for these things. Um, Many, many years I was in the Baptist, the cooperative Baptist tradition, which is the more progressive arm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) My churches were definitely on the spectrum that were, was towards the end of liberal. There are many more Baptist churches that align with that tradition that are not that. but then I find, found my way to the United Church of Christ. The United Church of Christ is a denomination that has um, been kind of the pioneers of welcoming and including all kinds of people, all kinds of genders, all kinds of sexuality, all kinds of races, races mm. you know, all kind. one of the first denominations that ordained or called people of color, uh, one of the first denominations mm. that ordained and called members from the LGBTQIA and women, and just a leader in all of these hot button issues that denominations and churches are wrestling over. Wow. So what is, um, so, and is that the same congregation that you're still a part of now? Like the one that, oh my gosh. So you've, and how long have you been there? 
So I've been there two and a half years now. Two and a half years. This is an interesting story. So I was actually eight months pregnant when I was called to be their pastor. And I was like, so I'm going to have to take maternity leave. Like, and they're like, of course you are. Of course you're going to take maternity leave where I had to negotiate a maternity leave policy in my other churches because they had never had a woman pastor who was pregnant. And so that was refreshing too. Like, oh, you already have a policy. (laughs) That's amazing. (sighs) Right. And that's, that's another thing we don't think about. Yeah. About women breaking into places that they haven't been allowed in leadership before is there's a lot of like administrative work that needs to go on too, in order Mm -hmm. to really fully Mm -hmm. call women to these places and support women in these places. Got it. Wow. Wait, so how long have you been ordained then? Um, let's see, 2013. What is that? Okay. Oh, like seven. What is that? Like about seven or eight years? Okay. Yeah, seven or eight. Yeah, we're coming up on eight. Oh my gosh. Okay. Great. Wow. So what are some of the um what are some of the un, non, I would say like uh, untraditional or non-traditional, I don't know how to say that, um, conversations that um, that you are having inside of your congregation? Yeah, so actually a lot of our work right now is about healing from religious trauma, from mm. people who said, no, you're not gay, or no, you're not called to ministry, or no, you're not this when they came out to their Mm. faith communities or to a religious leader. And so I I really feel like a lot of my work as pastor, but also a lot of my work as a spiritual director is guiding people and walking with people towards healing of saying, Mm. no, you are who you are. And that is exactly right. That is exactly who you should be. Mm. No matter what anybody else says, (laughs) even if it is from a pulpit, right? Wow. That is, that is amazing that that is a conversation happening within an institution. It's so important to, there's so many people who were harmed in this evangelical fundamentalist movement, especially, Mm -hmm. especially kids who grew up in that. Um, Mm -hmm. There were a lot of them that we went to school with and I, don't know if I offered help at that point, or if I, you know, was still in kind of my evangelical fundamentalist kind of mindset, but so Mm. many people, so many people who were taught that they had to be a certain way instead of encouraged and invited to be Mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. Well, and what are, um, if you think about some of the most vivid memories that you have of like, oh, you have to believe this, or you have to be this way as a woman. What are some of those little sort of pieces that, that stand out to you that I imagine you are still healing? Oh yeah. So in regards to sexuality out, outright, that is my number one thing. Um, the true love waits where the, where you wear the ring that your dad gives you until you give that ring to your husband whoa, you know, and there was a ceremony that you went to. And, you know, when you, when you experience this, I, a ceremony to like, literally say, I will not have sex until marriage, basically. Correct. And a card that you carried in your wallet. What? 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Do you not know this? No, I don't know this. Right. Because I I grew up inside of the Episcopal church. Okay. So we were, you know, we were sort of having these conversations, but there was no, there was no ring. There was no ceremony. So I'm just fascinated by this, wildly fascinated by this. Yes. So this Sri Love Waits is, is a national movement still originally founded to combat the teen pregnancy rate abstinence education, big lobbyist in local government for abstinence education, Um, Mm. deep roots, (laughs) deep roots. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I know that it was a part of our church, which was affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. I know also there were Methodists who ascribed to Tree Love Wades. Um, And there are a lot of us who are kind of coming awake to what Mm -hmm. we experienced in that movement and how detrimental it was. But yeah, you did an annual pledge that you would not have sex until you got married. Now, this is interesting because the definition was really intercourse. And because it was abstinent (laughs) education, there wasn't really discussion about sexual intimacy in other ways. Because if you were questioning other kinds of sexual intimacies, then you weren't being abstinent. And so a whole host of people got sent to college where they're meeting a whole nother group of people who didn't grow up in Trail of Ways, who don't go to their same church. And I imagine we're kind of primed for sexual abuse or sexual assault or other, or even rape wow. on college campuses because we didn't have anybody we could talk to about it. Right. Right. It just was, you just don't have the conversation. It's not appropriate because you don't have sex. Right. It's not. Wow. And if that's setting, right. If your definition of sex is intercourse, what about all the other ways of being intimate? Right. Wow. That in a way that is empowering. Right. And if you're trying to explore that at all, there is no empowering. There's only shame. Wow. Oh, so then it produces this idea that if you do have sex or a sexual intercourse, I should define this because yeah. then that is the person that you should marry. Oh my gosh. Right. Because that's the person you that's... had sex with. So now you have to get married because it's the person that you had sex with. Oh my gosh. This is just setting up a whole minefield. And then if you get into a marriage and you've been taught for years and years and years that sex is bad, how do you rediscover with a partner that sex is good? Mm-hmm. You can't just flip that switch after years and years of yeah. training, teaching, theology surrounding the negative. Yeah. Not even the negative, the bad, the sinful nature of sex. Right. There's so much energy around it as bad. And yeah, so much that, and guilt surrounding it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait. So how was it for you working through that shame, uh, like on a sexual level? Yeah. So I, still working probably like there's yeah. things that still come up. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. I think for, for me, the, you know, the people that I have been intimate with, there was a deep connection. And so again, there was this like deep knowing that this is, this is good. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something that is intimate, but it's also empowering. Thank, thank goodness. Right. Because I, I was definitely primed to be 
a, a victim in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways, had somebody been manipulative or, or different things like that. And so I'm very thankful that I am not one of the, the many, many women who have spiritual abuse on top of sexual abuse or sexual assault or different things like that. Mm. But yeah, no, there was a deep, again, a deep knowing. I think the divine feminine saying this is, this is a connection. This that's mm. empowering, that's opening possibilities for you, opening new identities for you and those kinds of things. And so I don't know, I, again, I guess it's that stubbornness. Some people call it. (laughs) (laughs) I call it the divine feminine who was guiding and walking me through. Like this is, this Mm. will help you get to the path or Mm. this is part of the path or, or those kinds of This is part of the path. And so expressing my sexuality became a way to express my spirituality, not what I had learned, but mine. Wow. And what I believed. Oh, talk more about that. How your sexuality can be an expression of your spirituality and your relationship with God. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, people don't like to talk about it so much, but I think sexual energy is all throughout the biblical text. Not just in John the Solomon, but it is everywhere. Right? Mariana, can you write a book about that, please? I feel like you might be the one. <laughs> the sexual energy of the Bible. Ooh, that yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> How the Bible turns me on. That was a good title. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I am just dying. Okay, continue. I'm all ears. Well, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I I know the number of women. Um, and you just tell me if I'm going too far here. I've already talked oh, about the difference between intercourse. <laughs> Mariana, there is on this podcast, there is no too far. Okay. So you just you just take us there, girl. Just go. Well, I don't know if you've done any research and I have not done lots of research, but I definitely have some um, experiment, experiential data on the number of women who can't orgasm. Oh, yeah, it's actually setting. Yeah, it's actually um, I think the numbers it's like 10 percent is, is a statistic is a statistic that I recently saw. And I have no idea. Right. I, I don't know that if that's like an updated number, but. There and I will say anecdotally, as I've shared my story, right? Uh, you have like, oh well, I was 32 and never had had an orgasm, right? Um, I've had so many women reach out to me, yes, and say, oh. yeah. so it could be higher than 10 percent. I don't know. Anyways, continue. And I would say if we did, if we kind of narrowed it down to the Bible Belt, it would be really high, right? Right. Because then in, in an intimate relationship, sex, become, and I'm talking about heteronormative because we're in the right. fundamentalism, fundamentalism, right? Mm-hmm. Sexuality is a means to procreate. So it is not yeah. about pleasure. It is not about desire. Mm. And I can't, I can't tell you the number of people, even at seminary, who I would offer some counters to their view of sexuality of, well, a woman couldn't want sex that much. And I'm like, um, how many no, we want it more. <laughs> how many women 
do you know? Because I think there's historical and all kinds of data to disprove that statement right there. That, But this is, again, a religious idea, right? That guys want sex more than girls. Mm-hmm. And so guys need to control themselves. And, it, and it's much more admirable for a man to choose abstinence over a woman, right? Because women mm. don't fight that desire as much as guys do. So <sighs> that's more noble and that's more religious than a woman choosing to do that because it's not as hard for her, right? Like, what? 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 <laughs> what? Oh, wow. So, so my, I think that opening yourself to sexuality, to desire, to orgasm, to pleasure is a way of combating all of this religious teaching that is out there in the cosmos. Whether whether you grew up in the fundamentalist kind of setting or not, I think it has invaded our culture to a certain extent. Oh, totally. (laughs) Being born a woman in this world right now, there is so much cultural conditioning. Yes. And, and honestly, in the United States, we, I I think like we have the best set of circumstances and it's still so like for, in terms of women, right. And women's rights. And it is still so much conditioning that we are born into so much. And also so much the responsibility of a woman, which is a whole nother topic that she is responsible for maintaining birth control or. If, mm-hmm. if you want to engage in sex for pleasure or those kinds of things, well, you as the woman should be sure that you're taken care of because you're the one that can get pregnant. And it's like, mm. okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> here's the another, thing. That is another topic. A whole nother topic. We might need to do multiple episodes, Mariana. <laughs> I, let's not limit ourselves here. <laughs> but the idea of opening up a woman's sexuality actually opens up the spiritual. And I think that it does actually have to do with the sexual nature of a woman being able to carry life. And I'm not Mm. saying that sex is for procreation, but the ability as someone who has carried life, but also I had a miscarriage. So I carried death too, Mm. that this is holy and sacred work that we hold within our bodies. I'm do not want to say that any woman needs to choose any path, but that possibility I do believe resides within us. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a deep knowing, I think Mm. that resides within our, our sexuality and our spirituality and, and down Mm -hmm. to our core, right. Or Mm -hmm. center or your soul, if you want to use kind of spiritual terms about it. Yeah. Well, you know, what I'm really um, just getting presence to in this conversation um, is the, like, just the divine wisdom that you are, that you're speaking to, like the divine feminine wisdom that is just, it is in our bodies and it's a direct line to spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a direct line to other people, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it's, yeah. and I like to call it a deep knowing. Some people call it the divine feminine. Some people call it intuition. Mm-hmm. All, all of those things are names that we're trying to wrap around something that I think is really mm-hmm. mystical and unexplainable. But in mm-hmm. order to 
try to invite more people to find that, we have to find words that kind of encapsulate it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, um, at least for me, it was, it was very unexpected to sort of create this connection with my spirituality through my sex. You know, it's, it's like not the reason I went down this whole rabbit hole. And, uh, but then now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, well, that's maybe the greatest gift of all, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, it is an opening up of yourself and it's an opening up, but also I think it's, a. Uh, um, I don't even know. I, I'm using my hands here. They can't see my hands. <laughs> <laughs> if they could only see. <laughs> they would completely understand what I'm trying to make my words say. But yeah. a giving. And then mm. that giving, it actually opens ourselves, opens us to receive something bigger than ourselves. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, receiving is the ultimate feminine. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. So, and I think that this is why, you know, there have been so many conversations, but also theologies to keep this under wraps Hmm. and, and why women aren't invited into leadership positions because Hmm. this isn't something predictable. Yes. The feminine it can be perceived as dangerous. Yes. Yes. And put divine in front of feminine and whoo. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, that's how the feminine is. It's dark. It's un. it's wild. And, and, and certainly, um, the feminine needs like mask some masculine holding. Right. But it's like the, the, wildness of it is what is the beauty. I think so too. And I think that this, to me, it's the divine feminine that is going to reconnect us and heal us. That that's Mm. the, that's what the divisions that exist within us right now are because Mm. the divine feminine hasn't been allowed to work and Mm. to move. It's been restrained and kept aside and all of these things. Girl, you are just speaking my language. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, and you know, will you talk a little bit about um, how you see the darkness of the feminine? Because I I think it, so in my work, it's one of the things that I I think is unexpected. Like when, you know, women, maybe they see my Instagram and they're like, oh yeah, desire, that sounds fun. You know, puppies and rainbows. Um, And um, and like, it can be that. It can be very light and fun. And there is a level of going down with the feminine that, that I experienced, that I've experienced and that inevitably at some points, at some point, my clients experience, and it is, it can be hard to be with. I I still want to avoid it, you know? And, and so I would love to hear how you've experienced that darkness, how you see it, how you work with it. Yeah. And I think about historically, you know, if you, if you do, um, some work, or even if you watch Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. the, the people who are with women in the birthing of a child are other women. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, especially, you know, this is 
from the faith tradition where I'm from, we just had the resurrection and it's the women who go to attend to the body of Jesus who has died. Mm-hmm. The women have been given this role for centuries mm. of being at the birth and being at the death. Mm. And so the darkness I think of the divine feminine is that we know within us, this is all we've got. Just one life, <sighs> one body, it's dustiness. Mm-hmm. And that, that deep knowing it is darkness, but also I think can bring us to revelation and light because it makes us live with purpose and intention mm-hmm. and not waste our energy and our time on things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the darkness you're kind of talking about, but I think it is the finiteness of humanity. Yeah, no, I, I think it, I, I love hearing your, your perspective because it's, it's totally my experience of it and sort of the way I, um, the way I see it and the way I like speak about it is just, it's sort of like the ultimate truth that just like clunks down. Yeah. You know, that, and that, that sort of innate wisdom that you were talking about and it's like, okay, well, we can either just fully like it's full acceptance and approval for what is. Yeah. Yeah. What is and who we are right in our, in our physical manifestations is all of that. Mm -hmm. But see, we have produced and procured a reality that lets us forget that. Mm. But Mm -hmm like a global pandemic will bring it right back to our attention. So that brings me to my idea that not only do I think that the divine feminine has been oppressed and also regulated to other places, except not to leadership, not to pulpits, because to speak, this is to invite the divine feminine to start moving and shaking things up. Right. (sighs) Yes. But so that's one way to kind of like, handle again, my (laughs) handle. She's using lots of hand gestures. People, if only you were here to cage the, the divine feminine, another way to cage or contain the divine feminine is to distract her. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. So we just make them busy. And how are we going to make all the women busy or all the divine feminine that resides in both men and women, by the way, I think. Right. And is president both. Oh, I know. We'll make all of these unrealistic expectations that they can't possibly do. And then they'll feel terrible about themselves. And then they won't listen to themselves. And then the divine feminine will be trapped again. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that what the pandemic revealed? Is that when our system breaks down, then childcare mm. falls on the shoulders of women. Mm hmm then women move out of the workforce to do the childcare. Mm-hmm. Totally. Whoa. So what do we do? We distract them, keep them busy with other things. Oh, I've got an idea. How about we say there's a certain body type that women are supposed to entitle <laughs> and embody. And when then we give billions of dollars to that industry and then they'll work themselves up about how their bodies are. And how their bodies aren't somebody else's body, which what? right, and oh, just distract, 
and yeah. just to distract us from the complete beauty of the wild divine feminine and the embodiment of that right the embodiment that- right yeah the embodiment of it looks so many different ways Oh, and if that doesn't work, let's throw some toxic positivity that says they have to always be bright and cheerful. Even though they see the darkness and they've experienced it, we'll throw another billion dollars at that. See if that'll work. Oh my gosh. But do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening? Despite all of that, the divine feminine is waking back up in people. Yeah. And she's Mm -hmm. moving. Oh, she's moving. I mean, this entire pandemic, like it was such an opportunity for the divine feminine to act like for everything to stop. Yep. Right. You have to create the, the feminine doesn't like fast and busy and tight, right? She likes spaciousness and slowness and, you know, all of that. And so we've created this gorgeous condition where the feminine actually had space to breathe for the last year. Right. And, and it was also, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And also to refine, wait a second, that system's broken. Why am I doing that? It's broken. <laughs> totally. Wow. That is amazing. Okay. Mariana, seriously. Um, you need a, I don't know what it is. Like you need like a TV show or, <laughs> I don't know if you want to start a podcast or what it is. So I do. I have been on a podcast. We had um, Minister and Mystic. It was on a brief hold for the pandemic, but hopefully we'll be back at it with my friend who's a mystic out in California. And we talk about all of this. Okay. Yeah. You really uh, need to get that going again. (laughs) Right. I'm totally backing you. Um, I could just listen to you for hours. Like it is, uh, it's so refreshing to hear this perspective from, um, from a woman who's in the church. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that will open up is that Mm -hmm. the, the divine feminine will begin to move as we invite more and more women into pulpits. Mm-hmm. But I do want to be very, you know, open about the fact that there is going to be resistance back to that. Right. right? There always has. Divine feminine has always been tried. People have always tried to um, burn at the stake the divine feminine, uh, mm-hmm. the divine feminine, trap the divine feminine, <laughs> all of this kind of things, because there's it's a deep knowing, but also I think it's a release of having to know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't have to know why we reconnected after 13 years. I just know we have, and that it is what it should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that that's one of the things I talk about. Desire does not make sense. No, there's nothing. There's literally nothing to figure out about desire. Right. But we are taught to be in our heads we're conditioned to be in our heads and figure things out. And it's like, no, there's nothing to figure out when it comes to the feminine. It just is. This is really interesting because when I work with people in spiritual direction, I often ask them if they are presenting something about, um, you know, a stress in their lives or something like that. And I'm like, where do you feel that in your body? Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, it's in my chest. I'm like, oh yeah, like your lungs are tightening. And they're like, yeah, or my throat. Like I can't, like I'm, it feels like I'm losing my voice. But when mm. there is a decision that they are making and I say, where do you feel it? And they say deep, like deep down. I'm like. In your genitals. <laughs> or your uterus, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> where life resides, right? Either way. Like yeah. that is a knowing that yep that's it we we live from like chest up we don't we don't live in our bodies Mm -hmm. because we've we've been taught that parts of our bodies are wrong or you know not to be shared or not attractive or whatever whatever whoa okay yeah I think there's going to be a follow-up episode to this (laughs) at some point Oh well, my god! I have that. I have to have that next book ready. Yeah, right. I mean, just listen. I'm ready for it, Mariana. I am ready for it. I am just so enrolled in your voice being in the world. Wow. Um, well, so as we uh, as we start to wrap up, um, I would love for you to share um, just how people can connect with you, um, just some of the ways to work with you in the world, what you're up to all the things. Yeah. So probably the best place to start is my website. And the trickiest part about my website is you have to know how to spell my name, which is a little Oh no. (laughs) Do you know what my name means? No. Bittersweet. Are you serious? Is that just not like perfect? Okay. That is literally perfect. I was going to say, I mean, you, I know I had a previous lifetime, like as a witch burned at the stake. It feels like you might've had one of those too. <laughs> maybe I might've gotten out though. I think I was, I escaped to the woods. Maybe mm, it's possible. It's possible. I have Found no idea. Herbs, made some tea just uh-huh. hung out there. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I see it. I see it. Um, okay. So your website, and we will link that, um, in the show notes. Uh, yes. so people, yeah. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Mariana Neely, which is my maiden name or on Instagram. It's, oh, wait, that's not my Twitter. My Twitter is at Rev Mariana. Sorry. Rev. Oh my gosh. Like Reverend. Yes. Ah! (laughs) And then on Facebook, it's at Mariana Neely and Instagram is at Reverend Mary, uh, Rev Mariana Harrelson. Great. And yeah, we'll put it all. We'll we'll give, we'll give everybody all the links. And then, yeah, I'm really excited because I, the pandemic, I think did really question and um, bring us to a place of the darkness. A lot of people um, struggled with disconnection and loneliness and solitude in a way that they didn't, wasn't healthy, wasn't desired. And Mm -hmm. so I found a practice um, of just finding morning light whether that was in Mm. like the stream of light that was coming or a flower blooming or um, my kid learning to ride a bike or practicing Mm. on his bike (laughs) sometimes. But Mm. so I wrote a book called Morning Light, A 30-Day Devotion Journey. And Mm. it just has a little poem, reflective poem, a picture um, paired with scripture, but you don't have to read that part if that's not your faith tradition. And then a a, a place to journal to... Mm work through what it means to try to find the light and the knowing. Mm. And then I wrote one called toast the day, which is a 30 day <laughs> journey. Too. So 
just an invitation to some spiritual practices that have sustained me during pandemic parenting and being a working mom and all of those things. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah. And you can order those on my website too. Cool. Great. Um, oh, and then did you want to say something about spiritual? Oh, direct- yeah. So I do directing. work with individuals yeah. in spiritual direction. And uh, for your listeners, I'd be happy to offer a consult for free. Uh, if you just go to um, mariana.net and fill out the contact form or mariana at mariana.net. Amazing. And just so people know, what is spiritual direction? Like, what yeah. does it involve? So spiritual direction is an ancient practice that is not just found in Christianity, but also found in Buddhism and many faith traditions of walking with somebody else as you're trying to find the divine or find your deep knowing. And so you're just inviting someone else to the conversation. I don't know more than anybody else. I'm just offering to walk alongside of people. And one of the tenets of being a spiritual director is that you also have a spiritual director. So I also work with a spiritual director every month as well. Oh, wow. It's not counseling. It's not coaching. It's just walking together to try to find the light. Whoa. I love that idea. That is so beautiful. (laughs) Definitely take her, take her up on that. If, uh, if you feel called and, and if that feels resonant. And Mariana, I am so tickled by this whole conversation. I can't wait till we can like be in person. Yes. Oh, thank you for your generosity today. Thank you for being here. And I'm just going to say it. This is not, I just don't think this is the last collaboration that you and I are going to have. <laughs> I love it. I really hope this is true. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for having me and for creating this such such an important space. Your work is so important. And mm. you're just a rock star for offering your own journey up to people, but also offering the wisdom that you have too. Mm. Thank you so much, Mariana. And uh, thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.